This is Positively Farming Media. So right now we are heading into late summer. We're going to start with early fall. And now is a really good time for us to be thinking about how we are going to store some of that late summer fall bounty. Um, We're talking basic cold storage here. No refrigeration, no freezing, no canning, no dehydrating, anything other than maybe what you can rig up in your basement, a closet, a garage, or if you're lucky, a root cellar. So on today's episode of Just Grow Something, we're going to talk about the different storage techniques for probably the five most common categories of late summer and fall vegetable garden crops. Root crops like carrots and turnips, brassicas like cabbage, sweet potatoes, winter squashes and pumpkins, and onions. Each category of crop has its own preference for long-term storage conditions, and it's well worth making sure that you have these areas figured out and set up ahead of time so that you can keep the bounty going for as long as you can. I am often eating winter squashes harvested in late summer at the same time I'm planting them in the next spring. And you'll find that these storage areas are also perfectly suited for other harvests coming out of the garden throughout the summer season, as well as taking advantage of deals that you might find in the late summer or fall at the farmer's market or at your grocer. Let's dig in. Hey, I'm Karen, and I started gardening 18 years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard. When we moved to a five-acre homestead, I expanded that garden to half an acre, and I found such joy and purpose in feeding my family and friends. This newfound love for digging in the dirt and providing for others prompted my husband and I to grow our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm. When I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, I discovered there is so much power in food, and I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. On this podcast, we explore crop information, soil health, pests and diseases, plant nutrition, our own nutrition, and so much more in the world of food and gardening. So grab your garden journal and a cup of coffee and get ready to just grow something. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So when we're talking about storage of our garden crops, I think we have to talk about first the importance of proper harvesting and then how that storage is impacting the taste, the quality, and the nutritional value of what is coming out of our garden. Because proper techniques in both the harvesting and the storage are going to directly impact that quality and that nutritional value. I mean, first of all, If we're harvesting them at their peak ripeness, that is going to ensure that they are retaining their best taste, their best texture, and their flavor. But it's also preserving that nutritional content that we're worried about. We've talked before that, you know, if we're getting things that are being shipped in from who knows where – 
then those vegetables are obviously losing their nutritional value the longer they've been away from the plant and the less likely that they have been held at the optimal temperature and in the optimal conditions, then the more likely it is that they have lost some of that nutrition. So if we're harvesting things fresh out of our garden, as soon as it is picked, that nutrient content begins to degrade. And so our proper harvesting and storage techniques are going to help to minimize that nutrient loss. And it's going to maintain a lot of those essential vitamins and the minerals and the phytonutrients that we really want to take advantage of with our own homegrown produce. And then, of course, if we're not harvesting them properly or we're not storing them properly, we may be damaging them, may we be bruising them, and that's going to accelerate that spoilage and it's going to lead to a shorter shelf life once we do put it into storage. So our proper handling of them prior to storage is going to make a difference. And now with some of these vegetables too, especially root crops, they are going to undergo biochemical changes after harvest that affect their taste and their texture. So curing some of these is going to be very important for enhancing that taste and texture. And then the proper storage of all of them is going to help them retain that flavor. And some of them will actually develop a better flavor over time and just to maintain their desired texture and that sort of thing. And of course, all of this, you know, just lends itself to cost savings too. I mean, and if even one part of the reason why we're doing our own gardening is to save us some money in the grocery store, then these storage techniques are going to extend that shelf life. We get to enjoy our harvest for a more extended period. And that, of course, means that we have to buy less of it in the grocery store. So the first thing we can talk about is those root crops like carrots and beets and turnips specifically. These are really popular things to grow in the fall. And the storage techniques that we'll talk about, and the harvesting techniques too, obviously, are good for both spring and fall. So just because you're harvesting maybe your crop in the spring instead of the fall doesn't mean that you can't use these same techniques. I just tend to grow a larger amount of these crops in the fall. And, you know, the, the spring ones I'm using for fresh eating throughout the, the summertime maybe, but then in the fall, I'm really growing the ones that I want to keep over the winter time because we have a tendency to eat more of those root vegetables during the cooler times of the year. That's just our preference. But, you know, keep in mind, this is all, anytime you're growing these crops, these are, are good storage techniques. But when it comes to harvesting like carrots and beets and turnips, their optimal harvest time is definitely going to be based on the variety that you are growing and then your desired size and flavor. These can all be harvested at different stages of development. And we can choose the timing that best suits our preferences. But in general, for long-term storage, we want them to have reached full maturity before we harvest them. How do we figure that out? Well, I mean, the size, right? That's an essential indicator of whether or not it's ready for harvest. Um, we're talking, you know, carrots, you can usually tell. You just sort of dust some of the soil back from the top of the carrot and feel the root. It's going to have a firm and solid texture. You really don't want to harvest the baby carrots that are still soft and kind of spongy, specifically for storage, right? You want them to be more mature. The same thing goes for beets and for turnips. There are salad-sized turnips that you might harvest smaller. Those are really not intended for long-term storage. We're talking more of the full-sized turnip ones. Um, same thing with the beets. 
If you're not sure, then the seed packet is going to provide sort of an estimated days to maturity for that specific variety that you're growing. So use this as a guideline for when to start checking, just like anything else, um, to see whether or not that harvest is going to be ready. But just remember, of course, it's an estimate and, you know, your weather and your growing conditions is going to influence that, but it gives you a good time um, for when you should start checking, okay? And then also keep in mind that if you leave root vegetables in the ground for too long after maturity, depending on your soil temperatures and your air temperatures, this can actually lead them to be oversized and be sort of woody. So you want to be regularly checking the roots as they approach maturity and then harvesting them at the right time to make sure that you're getting the best flavor and the best quality before you put them in storage. There's a little bit of a caveat to this depending on where you live. So if you are in an area that doesn't see as harsh of winters, you can actually get away with leaving some of these root crops in the ground if they have gotten to their maturity sort of right at the time when you start to get your first frost or when your daylight hours start to drop and they're not really continuing to grow. They sort of sit in stasis essentially and they can stay in the ground in that condition. This is a way of storing these, honestly. I will do this with carrots especially because after they get hit with a first frost or two, it concentrates those sugars. It makes them taste sweeter. Winter-grown carrots are just unbelievably sweet. And if you can protect them in the soil, then they can be stored right in place. Again, harvest them when they've reached their mature size, check their size, loosen that soil around them to gently get them out of the ground, lift them carefully so that you are not breaking or bruising them. You do not want to store crops that have been broken or damaged in any sort of way. Those are the ones that you're going to use first. You are not going to store those. Okay, so it's sort of like when we talk about seed saving, you want to save the best and eat the rest. Same thing when it comes to your storage. Store the best and eat the rest. Eat the, eat the, you know, the damaged ones first. With any one of these root crops, you want to take those leafy tops off of the roots, leaving maybe about an inch of the stem attached. If you leave the tops on your carrots or your beets or your turnips, this is going to draw moisture from the roots and it's going to cause them to go limp fairly quickly. This goes to any time during the year when you are trimming them to maybe throw them into a refrigerator for storage. You also want to make sure that you're trimming the tops. Now, make use of those tops, but don't put them in storage with the tops on. You also want to go ahead and just gently brush off any excess dirt and stuff from the roots, but you do not want to wash them. Anytime you get any of these crops wet prior to putting them in storage, you're actually going to encourage mold growth during storage, and we obviously don't want our goodies to go gross on us. Again, you know, when you're dusting all that that debris off, make sure that you are checking to see whether or not there's any bruising. Make sure there's no signs of disease. You don't want any of that stuff going into long-term uh, long storage. Anything that you have that is damaged can actually start to spoil the crops that are around it too. So you only want your best specimens to be going into long-term storage. And then if possible, you might want to sort them by size because the larger ones are going to tend to store better or for longer than the smaller ones. So you can eat the smaller ones first and leave the larger roots for later on um, in the off-season. 
So for these particular root crops, the, the carrots and the beets and the turnips, they prefer storage temperatures in the range of 32 to 38 degrees Fahrenheit or 0 to 3 Celsius with a relative humidity of 90 to 100%. So we're talking cold and humid. This is different than where you store, say, your onions, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. They like cold and dry conditions. Um, Irish potatoes, they like it warmer. They like it closer to 40 degrees, but in similar humidity. So, um, you know, if you have an area where the humidity level is appropriate, then you can store your carrots and your turnips and your um, beets in an area that is close to where you normally store your potatoes, but make sure that it is colder for these crops than it would be for, for your potatoes. If you have access to a root cellar, of course, this is an ideal storage location. They're generally cool dark, they're generally humid, and so that mimics the environment that we're looking at. A basement can double as a root cellar. If you have an area that is suitable and can get to those temperatures, I recommend having a thermometer, also getting a hygrometer, which is something that will test the humidity level in your area um, or in your storage area. You are likely going to want a few of these. They're fairly inexpensive. But you, all of these things that we're talking about like different conditions. So you want to do your best to sort of mimic that in one corner and then maybe something different in another corner. Another good way to mimic this is to store these roots in boxes or crates that are filled with slightly damp sand or sawdust. So you whatever medium you choose, the sand or the sawdust, you want to place a layer of that in the bottom of your box or your crate, and then add a layer of the roots, and then just continue alternating until your container is full, and then put that container in a cool place. That is going to maintain that humidity that we want, and it's also going to make it to where you don't have to increase the humidity in your entire basement <laughs> in order to be able to store these things. So um, damp sand or sawdust is a really good option for these types of root vegetables. And then, like we talked about, you can actually store them in place in your garden bed if your temperatures are amenable to this. Now, if you live in an area where your your winters tend to be a little bit warm, this may not work because it, you know, the ground may be too saturated or it just may be too, too warm to do this. But give it a shot. In our area, it works really, really well. I leave them in the soil until after the first couple of frosts, and then I mulch it really heavily heavily, and then I leave that mulch in place and harvest as needed. If you get snow cover fairly frequently where you are, the snow cover is actually also going to help to insulate that area. And you can just reach down and dig out what you want to use as you need it. I tend to finish pulling them all and putting them into cold storage before the ground freezes completely solid if it seems like we're going to have an unusually cold winter or if you live somewhere where you know your ground freezes solid for weeks or months on end, then you want to get those dug before that actually happens. But it's a really good way to sort of save on storage space until the last possible minute and you can just harvest them right out and, and use them that way rather than and having to dig them all at once and put them away. So it's a, it's a really good option. No matter what you do, you want to periodically make sure that you are checking on these for signs of spoilage. Any one of them that starts to get soft or they start to show, you know, signs of mold or rotting, um, you want to pull those immediately, use what you can and pitch the rest into the compost pile because you don't want them affecting the other root crops, okay? So basically what we're talking here, storage requirement-wise, 
Temperatures in the range of 32 to 38 Fahrenheit, 0 to 3 Celsius, relative humidity of 90 to 100 percent. Very, very cold and humid conditions. The next thing we want to talk about is sweet potatoes. These are going to be different as far as how we treat them before we put them into storage and then what type of storage that we use. The difference with sweet potatoes is that we want to cure these before we get them into storage. So harvesting them is one thing. They're usually ready to be harvested when their foliage starts to kind of yellow and die back. This typically is late summer or early fall, depending on where you live, usually 90 to 120 days after planting. Our typical timeline is usually plant the first week in June and then harvest sometime in September. And this, of course, is going to depend on what the weather was like during the growing season. You also, again here, want to avoid damaging these as you are digging them out. So using a fork, a spade fork or something to kind of loosen that soil around the plants and then carefully getting the tubers out of the ground. You don't want to use excessive force. They actually can break fairly easily as you're trying to pull them out. So handle them gently during harvesting. You don't want to bruise them. You don't want to cut them. Of course, again, that's going to lead to rot during storage. Now, the crucial step here is the curing. This is going to help your sweet potatoes to develop that sweet potato flavor that you want. It's going to improve the texture, and it's also going to improve the storage quality. It's not difficult, but you kind of have to have the right spot to do it. So you're looking for, again, a warm and humid environment. We we just talked cold and humid. Now we want warm and humid. Something that's around 80 to 85 degrees Fahrenheit or 27 to 29 Celsius. And you want your humidity, again, around that 85 to 90 percent mark. You want to lay your sweet potatoes in a single layer. You don't want them touching each other. You want some air to circulate. You don't want the moisture to build up with all that humidity. And then keep it relatively dark because we don't want a bunch of exposure to light that can actually cause them to develop a sort of bitter taste. And you let them sit there for about seven to 10 days. In our area, it's easy for me to do this just sort of on my back porch. I can either put them on racks or I can just lay them out on a tarp on my back porch and then cover them with another tarp. This helps to trap the humidity underneath, but of course the edges of the tarp aren't like locked down, so there's still some airflow under there. And then I just check them periodically. I'll pull the tarp back, roll them back and forth, make sure that nobody's touching each other, make sure there's no moisture buildup under there, and then cover them back up again. And they sit there for about 10 days, maybe two Two weeks. Um, this is again, it's in, it's increasing that sort of sugar content in there. If you have ever tried to eat a sweet potato right out of the ground, it really does taste just like a regular Irish potato. Uh, there is actually probably less flavor than an Irish potato. So this is a really important step, not only for how they taste, but also for um, for how you store them. And I will link to the sweet potato episode um, in the show notes, too, so you can listen to more detailed information about that. But the curing is an important part of getting them ready for storage. So once they're stored, I'm sorry, once they're cured, then we can store them. You can move on to storing them for the long term. Again, select the best. You only want the healthy, undamaged sweet potatoes. Your temperature and humidity now is going to switch from that warm 
temperature when you were curing it down to a cool temperature. You still want about the same humidity level, that 85 to 90 percent, but we want a temperature of about 55 to 60 Fahrenheit or 13 to 16 Celsius in a dark, well-ventilated area. So again, a root cellar, but maybe the warmer end of the root cellar that's closer to the door, a basement, a cool closet can work well for these. Um, you just want to make sure there's proper air circulation. Again, we don't want that moisture buildup. So crates or boxes, mesh bags are really good for this. Do not store them in the refrigerator, please. That cold temperature is actually going to negatively affect that flavor and the texture of them. You definitely want them to be warmer. So even if you can't get to that humidity of 85 to 90 percent, you do not want them in the same area where you've got your beets and your carrots and your turnips, which is closer to that refrigerator temperature. 32 to 40, right? A box is fine. You're just going to want to make sure that you are periodically checking them, again, for signs of decay or for spoilage. Anything that's got soft spots or mold or any type of rot, you're going to want to pitch. Just remember that the sweet potatoes are more sensitive to temperature and humidity compared to the other root crops or even just regular potatoes. So the proper curing and the storage are going to be really important here to preserve their quality for an extended period. Period of time. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. So another category of very popular crops for the fall garden or for late summer are things like cabbage, Brussels sprouts, and kohlrabi. Um, you know, harvesting them and storing them for winter just includes a few key steps just to make sure that they stay fresh and usable for an extended period of time. Usually cabbage are ready for harvest when those heads feel firm and they have reached whatever size you want them to be. Late summer to early fall, very common time for, for harvesting cabbages. Brussels sprouts, usually ready for harvest when the sprouts are firm, they're green, usually about one to two inches in diameter. You want to start harvesting them from the bottom of the stalk and then upward as they mature. Kohlrabi can be harvested almost at any time once they start to you know, form those bulbs. But again, the more mature they are and the, the more solid they are, the longer and better they are going to store. On each one of these, you just want to check the little heads to make sure that they are firm. They are the size that you want them to be. They should be solid. They should be compact. Make sure that you are using a sharp knife or a garden pruner when you are cutting these guys out of the garden. When you're doing cabbage, you can leave a few of those outer leaves attached to the stem. With, uh, with Brussels sprouts, you want, if you want to cut them off the stalk, you want to leave a short stem attached to each one of the sprouts 
sprouts. You can also just harvest the whole stock and store them that way. For long-term storage of any of these guys, you can also leave the outer leaves, some of the stem, or even pull the entire plant and leave the roots intact. Now this is for very long-term storage if you have a place where you don't mind getting it messy because obviously, you know, the roots and stuff are going to are going to cause a little bit of um, a mess, but it is a really good way to do some some long-term storage with uh, with very little loss of quality if you have the space to do it. All of these are good candidates for long-term storage if the conditions are right. You just want to make sure that you are removing any of the damaged or loose outer leaves from the cabbage heads or the individual sprouts themselves. Once again, do not wash these before storage. The moisture can encourage rot, so just dust off any excess dirt or anything that's there before you put them into the storage. This is also going to help you to inspect them to make sure you don't have any diseases or damage. Now, the ideal storage condition for cabbage, again, a root cellar, we want cold and humid. So 32 to 40 Fahrenheit, 0 to 4 Celsius, and a humidity level of 90 to 95 percent. Does this sound familiar? Yes, this is just about the same conditions as for our carrots and our turnips and our beets. So if you are growing all of these types of crops, then you can use the same storage location for all of them, obviously in separate containers. But they all like the same type of cold and humid storage conditions. For the cabbage heads, you can put them in crates or boxes or bins. You can also wrap each head in newspaper, or you can put them in a mesh bag to help them sort of maintain that humidity a little bit and just to prevent direct contact between the heads. You can do the same thing with the individual little Brussels sprouts, just kind of put them into boxes with open lids on them and cover them with newspaper. Um, you can, again, leave them directly on the stalk. Kohlrabi, the same thing. You want to cut off the loose greens that are on the top and just store them as their individual heads. Just make sure there is some space between all of these. You want to allow for some air circulation. You don't want to stack them like too tightly on top of each other or too closely because we don't want that moisture buildup. And once again, just like all of these, you want to periodically check and make sure that you're looking for signs of, of spoilage or for rot or for disease. If you need some extra help with that humidity, again, the Brussels and the kohlrabi can both be stored in that moist sawdust or sand the same way that we do with those other root crops. So, you know, uh, filling them with a, a layer of that storage medium and then adding a layer of the Brussels or a layer of the kohlrabi and then doing an, another layer of your storage medium alternating until that container is full is going to help maintain that moisture. This doesn't work real well with, uh, with cabbage. Obviously, you're going to get the sand in the nooks and crannies and a little bit more difficult to store, but that's when you can just wrap them up in those in those newspapers. Next up, we're talking winter squash and pumpkins. Um, you know, storing these guys for winter doesn't take a whole lot in order to make sure that they stay fresh. Um, harvesting them at the right time, obviously, is is going to be one of the keys here. You want those skins to have fully hardened. So make sure that you, they cannot be easily punctured with a fingernail. Those stems should be dry and still very firmly attached. Occasionally, those stems are going to pop off when you're putting them into storage. So those are going to be the ones that you want to use first. These 
are candidates for being cured. It's not as intensive of a process as, say, the sweet potatoes. You really just want to put them in a sort of a warm, dry area with good ventilation. A sunny porch or a well-ventilated room is good for this, and you want them to sit there for about 10 to 14 days. This is going to help the skin to toughen up, and it also does improve the flavor and help increase the storage life. This is why I like to use winter squashes and my edible pumpkins as decoration. In fact, I'm not sure if this is the reason why we use them as decoration, but just sitting them out around your house, as long as they're not piled too tightly on top of each other, and there's good ventilation, well, this is a great way just to let them sit and cure before we decide to use them. So winter squashes, really colorful acorn squashes, carnival squashes, all of our pumpkins, that sort of thing, sit them around your house, use them on your tabletops, etc. as your fall decorations. And then once you're done, then move them into the cold storage. This is a great way to cure them. So not only is it good for their flavor, but it's good for their storage life. After you've got them cured, then you want to go ahead and wipe off any dirt or debris. Now, obviously, if you're using them as decorations, you're probably going to want to clean them a little bit more than what you would if they were going directly into storage. So just don't use, you know, excess amounts of water or anything when you're wiping them clean to, to display them. Um, but then again, you, this is a good time to check them for any signs of damage or cuts or bruises. Any of the damaged ones are the ones that you want to use first. And then when it comes to the storage, location. Pumpkins and winter squashes like cool but dry areas, okay? So we've been talking about humid areas thus far. Now we're talking about dry areas. The ideal temperature for these guys is right around that 50 to 55 degree or 10 to 13 degrees Celsius temperature range, but they like low humidity. We do not want them in damp or humid conditions because that is going to lead to mold growth and they are not going to store as long. You also probably should keep the different varieties of winter squashes and pumpkins sort of separated during storage. I mean, I don't mean that you have to have them in different places in your house, but just kind of keep them grouped together because some varieties do not store as well as others. And so if one starts to deteriorate, you don't want it to infect the entire batch. Acorn squash specifically are not really good candidates for long-term storage. I mean, they're good for a couple of months, but, you know, I've noticed that they tend to go soft faster than things like butternut or pumpkins. So not only do I tend to use those sooner rather than later, but I also keep them sort of in their own area. And then, you know, the butternuts and the other ones can are, are right next to each other. So just keep that in mind. Also keep in mind, too, that if you use an elevated surface like a, a wooden pallet for like your bigger ones, or if you have crates or shelves or something that will keep them sort of lifted up and allow the air to circulate around them, that's better for them. And it's also better to avoid stacking them because if they're stacked on top of each other too much, you can get pressure points on the bottoms or in the areas where they're touching each other. And that can actually cause them to develop soft spots or rot as well. So one more reason to always be checking regularly to make sure that um, that you're checking for signs of decay or mold or anything while they are in storage. And then finally, probably one of the most popular fall crops to store or crops in general to store is onions. And curing and storing your onions properly is absolutely essential to 
make sure that they not only keep their flavor, but they are still usable for an extended period of time. And I'm talking about onion varieties here that are more suitable for long-term storage. Those sweeter onions that have the higher sugar content are only going to hold for a few months in storage before you begin to see them getting soft or moldy or even sprouting. The more pungent onions tend to last longer in storage, at least six months, sometimes up to a year without loss of quality. I will link to the onion episode um, in the show notes so you can find out a little bit more about that. You can cure sweet onions to hold them, but they need to be checked pretty frequently. And I grow two different types of onions for this reason. The sweet ones are more for fresh use throughout the summer. And then in the fall, my more pungent ones are cured specifically to be used for storage and to be used throughout the winter and then into the spring. So, you know, once your onions, you know, the tops start to turn yellow and they fall over naturally, that's a good indication that they are ready to harvest. They should be mature. They should have a firm texture. I tend to not have to worry too much about rushing to get those later onions out of the garden because we are typically pretty dry at that time of the year. So I kind of harvest them at my leisure and start curing them as they get pulled out. If you are in an area that sees a lot of moisture, though, you do want to pull them at the right time. You want them out of the ground and get them laid out to dry as quickly as possible. Um, If you're dry, you can leave them in the garden on top of the soil to just kind of dry out in the sun. Um, We tend to put them on racks. So they're just shelving units. Again, open wire shelves so that it's well ventilated and keep them out there in um, a warm area for a day or two just to allow those outer layers to dry first. And then we move them into a more warm dry area that is more protected. So a garage, you can use a shed or an attic, even a covered porch, um, just to avoid direct sunlight. You don't want to sun scald them, but I usually will put them underneath a row of trees and where there's a breeze. And so they can sit out there without any chance of of being rained on. If there is a possibility of rain, they get moved inside for sure. You do not want them getting wet. You can hang them too if you have, you know, bundle them up by their tops. Um, You can hang them up. You can lay them out on racks. Just make sure there is air circulation, right? Your onions, especially for, for storage, need to cure for about two to three weeks. You're going to see the outer layers of these onions start to dry. The necks are going to tighten. This is also helping to develop those flavors. So do not skip this step if you plan on holding your onions for longer than a couple of months. If you want to use them right away, that's fine. It's not necessary. But absolutely for storage, you want them to cure. So 14 to 21 days approximately until you see those outer layers are really dry and those necks are tightened up. After they're curing, after they're done, then go ahead and brush off any of that remaining soil. And then you want to trim the tops to about one inch above the bulb. Do not trim them until they have completely dried. If you trim them prior to them being dried, all you're doing is attracting bacteria and fungi to that area because it's still going to have moisture in it. And so that's going to promote rot earlier rather than later. So wait until they're completely dry before you before you trim them off. And then again, 
go through them as you're cleaning them off and make sure there's no signs of damage or disease. Only store the ones that don't have any soft spots, that um, that haven't been cut in the process of, of being harvested or whatever. Use the ugly ones first, and then we're going to store the best, right? For onions, we're talking cool and dry with low humidity. So 32 to 40 Fahrenheit, zero to four Celsius with low humidity. Once again, a basement, a root cellar, these are great options, but you want a low humidity. You want the dry area of your basement. So mesh bags, you can hang them in pantyhose. You can put them in um, shallow crates. Don't use plastic bags. They're going to trap the moisture. They're going to encourage mold growth. Don't use plastic totes or anything that you're going to put a lid on. Um, so wooden crates are great. You just want to make sure that there is enough air circulation around the onions. You don't want them crowded because, again, that's going to lead to moisture buildup and spoilage. So if you can keep them, you know, relatively shallowly stacked, so, you know, just one or two layers of them. Um, and then, again, check on them. Look for signs of softening, any sprouting, any mold, any ones that, you know, sow any signs of that. Grab those. Use them first. And then if you're storing different onion varieties, you may want to keep them separate, especially if they have very distinct flavor profiles, because they can transfer their flavors back and forth if they are stored next to each other, just like onions want to flavor everything that they're stored near. So um, you might just want to store your onions in general in an area completely by themselves to make it to where your other stuff doesn't always taste like onion. That's a lot of information, I know. So let's let we let's break them into categories, right? So key storage sort of temperatures and conditions for for we want cool and dry for pumpkins and squash, right? We want cold and dry for onions. So cool being that 50 degree mark, 50 to 55 Fahrenheit, and, you know, virtually no humidity. Cold being, you know, that 32 to 40 degree Fahrenheit temperature range and dry. So cool and dry for pumpkins and squash, cold and dry for onions. Then we go into cool and humid. This is where we're talking about our sweet potatoes. So again, that 50 to 55 degree Fahrenheit, you know, range and humidity, right? 90% humidity for the sweet potatoes. Cold and humid is everything else. Our cabbage, Brussels sprouts, kohlrabi, carrots, beets, and turnips. So your storage areas are going to depend on what it is that you are growing and what it is that you want to grow or you, what, you, what you want to store long term. So it is worth it to kind of sit down and figure out what you've got growing out there, what's going to be coming in, what do you want to keep throughout the winter time, and then figure out what the conditions are that they like, cool and dry, cold and dry, cool and humid, or cold and humid, and then figure out the areas of your house that are most suitable to those conditions. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep on cultivating that dream garden, and we will talk again soon. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com, where you can find all the episodes, show notes, articles, courses, newsletter sign-up, and more. I'd also love for you to head to Facebook and join our gardening community in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning and keep growing.